0: Reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto 10, Chapter 39, Text 27. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. vasudevaya. Anadradir Asha samasthito ritam tramanvami ca tarayanti durmada gopa anobi stavara upekshitam devam chanodhya patikula kula Hard-hearted Krishna has already mounted the chariot And now the foolish cowherds are hurrying after him in their bullock carts. Even the elders are saying nothing to stop him. Today, fate is working against us. Purport. I'll read the purport. I usually don't do it, but it's small. Srila Sridhar Swami reveals what the gopis thought. These foolish cowherd men and elders are not even trying to stop Krishna. Don't they realize they are committing suicide? They're helping Krishna go to Mathura, But they will have to come back to Vrindavan and will certainly die in his absence. The whole world has become nonsensical. Om Timurandasya Gananjana Shalakaya taksur un malatam yena dasmai shri gurave namaha shri chaitanyamena bistam tapitam yena butale svayam rupak damayam tadati sapradantikam kalpa kaupatarupyascha kripa sindu bayebcha Patitanam Pavanabhyo Vaishnavabhyo Namo Nama Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Siadweta Gadadhar Shivasade Gaur Bhakta Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Krishna, Krishna, Hare, Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare, Hare. So greetings from <clears throat> Ashram in Kali, Colombia. Um, we're having a, a retreat think It's a very healthy place because everything is open aired, and as our group is quite isolated in that sense. Um, <clears throat> but it's a great mood. Uh, I, I was just sh- you know sharing with you how wonderful this ashram is doing. You know, five years ago, I was invited down here. And my vision was that Krishna consciousness is for everyone, but I'm invited to South America meeting these very nice people and educated people interested in Krishna consciousness but wanting a deeper connection. Um, But what is my service? Because a devotee only moves for service. Narayana prasarve nakutas chanya bibyati swaga pavaga narakeshu abhitulyata darshana. One who's narayana parayana swaga pavaga narakeshu, it doesn't matter heaven, hell, earth. The only thing that really benefits one is, is where is their service? Um, so it's quite interesting. I've been here for five years and I haven't been back here for a year and a half. So it's like having children. You don't see them grow when you're with them. But if you're away for a while, and when I came, I was actually quite astounded that Shamsundri and Sri to picked me up at the airport. When I got to the ashram, the gate was opened, And when I drove into the ashram, there were 25 people from the congregation doing kirtan. Right, uh, right there in the front. You <laughs> can just see, it's just, you see the peacock there. It's kind of like a paradise. Um, <clears throat> and they were doing kirtan, and it was dark, and they all had masks, so I couldn't um, I couldn't see them. And then they invited me in to speak, and um, it was really quite wonderful. And I just spoke on Priti Piti Achi Achiyati Nagaradi Gram. My name will be spread in every town and village. And, uh, but the template, the idea I had is, yeah, Krishna conscious for everyone, what is my service? It, 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 if I would go down there, I wanted to make a template of how you can attract and cultivate the more educated class, especially in South America. And uh, it's so nice to see how it's fulfilled. Um, and the quality of people are coming forward and and, and it, it gives me a faith because it's a faith in the bhakti lata bij. Bramanda brahmate konya bhagavanjib guru krishna pasadipai bhakti lata bij the seed of devotion that the seed of devotion is the appreciation for Krishna consciousness as your goal. And you just see how it works. You know, I come back, it's people have grown. And uh, I think one realization I had here, one reason why I see that people have moved forward is because they get good education. I remember when I was in New York and I had to leave India and I taught at 26 Second Avenue when they just got it back. And I saw that's how, that's how people come forward. I, I think Kirtan really attracts people. My, my, my experience is, um, unless they get that regular education, it's not the same conviction to go beyond that. And I think the other strength here is as any ashram is they have five o'clock, Mongol artik, it's very practical. Samsara prayers, people sit and chant. As I think uh, they were saying, the Bhakti Center, firmly rooted, branching out. You know, those blessings are there. Um, so it was quite nice experience and a uh, credit to all the people who participated in it. And, uh, and then yesterday, our, re- our retreat. Is going to start, but some people came yesterday. But spontaneously, there were some people from the congregation here and uh, some young people. Spontaneously, it was literally kirtan from two o'clock in the afternoon to eight o'clock at night. Just spontaneous, not scheduled, etc. So I'm looking forward to uh, the retreat beginning tomorrow. Now, I'm talking a lot because in, in one sense, I'm trying to get warmed up for the class because right now I'm dealing with people who got stuck at airports. You, know, you have to have the right COVID test. or I don't know. The lines are longer, maybe it's security. So trying to get that settled. Because I think one of the strengths, if you ever have to lecture, is the mode of goodness. Because when the mind is clear, you have greater access to your memory. And that's what speaking is. It's, it's, it's the very, um, I call it a level of unconscious competence. There's a certain level of how your mind works when you're more in the mode of goodness, it's more spontaneous. Uh, They've done studies on this. There was a book written on this by someone called Malcolm Gladwell called Blink. He wrote a book on uh, how a lot of decisions are made much more quickly when they're not conscious. and one thing I, I, I see about, about speaking is somehow or other, how to get to that level. And me just kind of flying in here for the class after trying to deal with some of those things, I'm just trying to get into a groove, especially where I'm on a very high subject. It's not like I jumped to that high subject. We've been doing this for a year And now I'm finally up to the, I would say the the height of the Bhagavatam. And the height of the Bhagavatam is the feelings of devotion that God himself came to experience. And this is the Akura Leela, where Akura came and he gives this message that Krishna has to go to Vrindavan, and then we see the the feelings of of separation. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting. I uh, just how. Um, speaking is so much your mode and, and some, I'm just being frankly, I just like zipped in there from something else. And usually I just turn it on and it continues. And uh, one thing I learned by speaking is uh, you'd be empowered to speak according to your realization. And my realization now is how unprepared I am for the class. So somehow maybe that'll inspire me to, to, to speak but um, yeah we've been on this for a while and we see krishna consciousness from the beginning of the end and the beginning is the desire and the end is the desire and the way krishna consciousness works is you're in the spiritual world when you want to be in the spiritual world We're just separated by our consciousness. There's not any distance. And that's what the story of Akura shows. He was in Matara for 12 years. So why didn't he go? And then one day he goes. And then how does he go? It's not just a question of distance. It's a question of desire. And it's a question of being qualified for that desire. And he he pure and and that's how he got there. And then there's Krishna hearing your desire. And that's what bhakti means. Bhakti means that our hearts are the pleasure of Krishna. And Krishna's pleasure is listening to our hearts or listening to our words that express our hearts. And then Krishna fulfills our desire. I'm going to be lecturing here, maybe. Maybe i'll go off to something else today because that's what i was preparing but i was going to lecture on um, i was going to lecture on uh, brahman Vimohan mohan lila so maybe i, I it, it's some kind of re- relevance there but the whole story of brahma vimohan mohan lila is it begins really it begins before it begins and how does it begin it begins that Krishna is hearing the hearts of his devotees and he's reciprocating with them. One of the best statements I like that Prabhupada wrote in one of his purports is Krishna is responsive. That's the whole power of bhakti. That's why bhakti is the power of grace. It's not just our effort moving towards Krishna. It's Krishna responding to our heart. So the wives of the Brahmins, they expressed their hearts and Krishna heard their hearts. And therefore he made an arrangement. He made an arrangement to fulfill their desire. Okay, that's how we came to Bhakti. I I, I, I spoke a little bit this morning, but one thing I did is to have a little program here of course, not many people could come now, but they have a program on Saturday morning, a little kirtan, a little talk. So they asked me to give a talk. And I spoke on how I came to Krishna consciousness. And I and I spoke on it in a way uh, as a template for everyone coming to Krishna consciousness. And we come to Krishna consciousness, it begins with Krishna, Krishna hearing our heart. That's what's described on the, Um, is two birds on a tree and one is the witnessing bird and one is the bird that's enjoying. And he's waiting, he's listening, Krishna's in the heart. He's situated in everyone's heart, from him comes remembrance, forgetfulness and knowledge. So Krishna is listening to our our hearts and responding to them. So in that particular story, Krishna is listening to their hearts, uh, and he. You know, I'm I'm just frank. I'm trying to get in the groove. And it's just not happening today for some reason. But I'll keep on trying in different ways and finally I'll get into it. Um, Okay, now I remember. So I was explaining that that's how we come to Krishna consciousness. And and, and what heart does Krishna want to see from us? He wants to see humility and how's humility expressed. Humility is expressed when we come to the point where we understand that there's something higher than our own desires and opinions. And that's been our faith since time immemorial, that um, selfish enjoyment is our faith. That's what we believe our happiness is. And we believe we're the authority on how to find it. Um, And then it doesn't work. Life after life, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And this material world is called dharateya. It's called insurmountable. Because even though it doesn't work, it's so difficult to give up that conception. That bhutpa bhutpa Paliya again and again destroyed. It keeps on happening. And then there comes a particular time in our journey where we just have this slight humility that I need that that my desire, that my opinions and desires are not supreme and I need a, a higher authority than myself to figure it out. And then in that cloud of ignorance that covers the soul and prevents us from actually experiencing the soul. Then there's a, a the cloud of ignorance that prevents the, the experience of our connection with God. It just opens a little bit. And God somehow hears in our heart that voice that there must be something higher than my authority and opinions and uh i'm looking for some direction or or authority i search beyond that god sees that he gives sadhu sangha that's how everyone comes to krishna consciousness if we look at the birth of krishna that's a look at it it, it, uh, before krishna is born six children are killed in the womb of Devaki and they were the sons of Kamsa in a previous life when he was Talanemi and they represent the six material whips Prabhupada said, you know, lust, greed, anger, illusion. And what happens? They're killed by Kamsa and what does Kamsa represent? Kamsa represents material Fear. You follow the authority of your greed, and it just brings you into a fearful condition, because it conditions you to the temporary concept of life, which is always threatened by non-existence. And the more you go in that direction, the more you get disconnected from God, the more fearful you become. From this comes fear. You follow your lust. It's like the whole material world. I think the Alcoholics Anonymous, the recovery programs are just based on the reality of the world it's like it's like a paradigm of how krishna purifies us so you follow your greed you follow your illusion or your anger you know you're angry for whatever reason and you follow these things and, and what happens you become more and more invested and absorbed in the conception of the self which is threatened with non-existence. So what kills that? The fear that we have. And then we come to some other faith besides our lust, our greed, our anger. There must be something higher. And when God sees that, then he gives the sadhu sangha. He makes that arrangement. That's what happened to all of us. I once wrote an article about the existence of God, the argument from synchronicity. When you have some sense of Krishna consciousness, you see the way things, if you're following Krishna consciousness, studying the Shastra, and you look back on your life, and you start to see how everything that came to you was for a particular purpose to bring you to a higher level of consciousness, So we'll go back. I hope I can get up to this Gopi Bob today, but I'm just not feeling empowered to, but it's, so we had this story of a Krura and he had this faith. He had this trust that this was the highest thing. And he proved his trust by his patience. And what is his patience was his faith and his patience. What's with his faith and patience? That this goal of going to Krishna, because his goal is Krishna. Is worth anything I have to do to attain that. And if I have to stay in Matara and I have to serve this evil king, if that's something I have to pay, it's a small price to pay. That's faith. Faith is the value you place on your goal. And what was the faith he placed? I will pay any price for it. Just like the story we know of that Mukunda, he was such a sweet singer. And I guess probably sometimes people have these artistic talents. Maybe he was a little simple hearted, but he, he became confused. He, 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 he started hearing the philosophy from, from, People who weren't really of, of, of that, of, uh, that were against the principles, and it went to Lord Chaitanya, and Lord Chaitanya was so angry, he banned them from his association. And all the devotees, they, because devotee is what? They're compassionate, so they, they felt him, and they loved him. And they were pained, and Lord Chaitanya was so strict. But they had faith in Lord Chaitanya, but they also had some regard for him. And no amount of entreaty to, to to Lord Chaitanya would allow he would allow him back in his association. And Mukunda was so desolate. And then finally he said, "Well, just ask him when I can see him again." And Lord Chaitanya was so angry. He said. I won't see him in in a million years. And when McQuindle heard that, he said, I will, I will, I will. And what did that mean? It meant that he had so much faith in that goal. He had so much faith in that goal of the association of God that he thought That was a bargain price. That's how much faith and value. That's what faith is. This is so good. What's the cost? Anything I can pay for it? So therefore, the devotee goes through his difficulties and when he has that faith, This is a small price to pay. This is what a demonstrated. And that kind of mind, that kind of faith expressed in, in, in the test that he underwent. And Krishna sees and hears everyone. My devotee has so much faith in me. He has so much faith in me. That Nu Pam that whatever trials and tribulations I go, their mercy of God, and it's a small price to pay. And I bow my head again and again. And then what does the Bhagwan said? Then Dayabak. It becomes an inheritance to you. Krishna is always looking at the heart. And that's his judgment of mercy his judgment of mercy is not our material enjoyment i am mercy merciful to my disciple that i gave him so much material pleasure that he'll forget me no i am merciful to him because i did what it takes for him to remember me and i think this could be an argument for for for, uh, to, for to reconcile kind of evil in the world with the existence of God and the way it can be reconciled is how are we judging the things that happen to us because you're trying that if, if there's evil and difficulty in the world then how can God be omnibenevolent? Um, um, um benevolent how can he be all good if these things happen? But what is his perspective? His perspective is, this is what the person needs. This is what the person needs to have that connection with me. And we're looking at it, how is that merciful? Because it doesn't push me to the center of my enjoyment and control. So Kura, he just had that faith. He had that faith, and then eventually, Krishna makes the arrangement when the time is is right. What is it by the Atya Nugraha, the inconceivable mercy of Kamsa? told them some arrangement to go, go see Krishna. And then he goes to see Krishna and we get to see his mind and see his fate, And we see that all his desires are fulfilled. And now the story now goes to this other level that by Narada Muni's very excellent council of Kamsa, very excellent. He said, you know, because Narada Muni came and he told Kamsa that, well, you know, you keep on hearing Krishna killing the demons, but that's the eighth child. And then Kamsa said, well, Vasudev well, lied to me and he was going to kill him, but Narada said, no, if you kill him, then Krishna will never come here, you'll never catch him better attract them here and have a big, a big festival and attract the people from the villages. So then Akura goes and we just see him coming in and he sees Krishna and it's so beautiful. And then now he gives the message and the message comes out. And then we somehow get to see in a way, what this ultimate feeling of love is, the ultimate feeling of of, of devotion, that's the ultimate goal of life. And we see what is the consciousness of, of these devotees? It's, it's even described, there's actually one verse that says that their meditation was so fixed that they ceased all other activities. Perfect yogis, they ceased all other activities to what level? That they were completely unaware of anything else that's the stage of samadhi there's eight stages of yoga there's dhyana and then there's samadhi and the difference between dhyana and samadhi dhyana the meditation is like um like oil that's flowing it's just There's no space in between your meditation of Krishna, but there's cognizance of something outside. But the gopis, they became so absorbed that they had no awareness of anything else but Krishna. And then they begin to express and their remembrances of Krishna and of his smiles and his dealings. And they're so distressed and it's all a manifestation of their heart. So I'll just read the verses and, um, Well, hard-hearted Krishna had already mounted the chariot. So these are emotions that are increasing their love, and now the foolish cowherds are hurrying about him in their bullock carts. Even the elders are saying nothing to stop him. Today, fate is working against us. Um. Anyway, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to stop. I just don't. I may, I'll probably keep on talking when I say that. But when, when actually, when I came here, I was really felt speechless. When all the people came to greet me, I just I, off the plane. And I explained that, you know, usually I have the gift of gab. And, you know, you can keep on talking on and on. But I have like a, I have a principle that if it's not working, I stop. I don't like to go on with talks that are disjointed. It just doesn't. And, you know, me, generally, I don't stop. And I am kind of satisfied. But um, so I'll just stop for questions today. And then after this, I'll get back to the work of finding out what happened to those three people who couldn't get on the planes. But anyway, anybody have any questions? Gail, it's your chance.
1: Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Yeah, I was just trying to remember whether or not I had asked you this before. when, Kura, when Akura was meditating, right, um, on, on how Krishna would greet him and receive him, um, you know, he was, he was thinking about, you know, how Krishna would, like, pat him on the head and do all these, like, loving things towards him, you know? So yeah. whenever, you, whenever you would describe that, I was thinking that it, it just seemed a little, maybe a little presumptuous, you know, it just didn't sound like the meditation of somebody who was deeply humble, you know, it seemed more like on the more presumptuous side. So I'm just trying to understand how that was an expression of humility,
0: Um, well, what was he thinking of? I mean, when when Akura entered into Vrindavan, we'll start back there. He rolled on the ground. He was free from fear. He was free from pride because he was a big minister. He's rolling on the ground from fear because it's very dangerous because he was doing it out of appreciation for Krishna. And what was he expressing? He was expressing love. And, and what does love mean? Love is the ultimate humility because in love, you put someone else in the center. So what he was envisioning in the future is, is, is nothing presumptuous. He was, he, was, he was envisioning that me as a minister, I will be bowing down to Krishna when I get up. I will look and Krishna will put his hand on my head. That's such a subordinate position. Imagine if someone junior to you just got, patted you on the head. I mean, I couldn't even think. Prabhupada came in. I, I I couldn't even think of it. So if you have a vision, if you have the vision of of service, his, what, what, what is his aspiration? It wasn't that he would, Krishna would serve him. It's that he would submit himself to Krishna. Every one of his actions was, was a complete acknowledgement of Krishna's superiority. I will bow down. He will recognize me. He'll say, he may say, maybe he'll say my name. That doesn't seem like he was thinking himself as very, very important. He was, he, and he was, he was considering this not as entitlement, but as mercy. The experience of mercy is the experience of humility because the mercy means undeserved. That's why kindness can make someone feel humble in a very good way. Let's say you give charity to someone and it's more than they deserve. Then what are they thinking? They're thinking of the lack of qualification I have for this. So he wasn't thinking I'm entitled and and then Krishna will have to do this. And he was just, it's, this was his prayer. It's it's not what, what he was thinking that he, it, it was his hope. And how, how is that pride if he thought, well, Maybe when I'm in the future, maybe I'm not really qualified for this, but maybe in my vision, I will, you know, my my head will be on his feet. No, I think it was very humble. Oh, because
1: I, I wasn't... Hey, anybody else? It...
0: Okay. What's that? Go ahead, Gail.
1: No, I was just saying that I wasn't... When you would describe it in the past, I wasn't hearing it as an expression of his hope, you know. I was hearing it more as what he anticipated Krishna will
0: definitely do. Well, that was just my lack of qualification in explaining it.
1: That's miscommunication. But thank you.
0: (laughs) A lack of qualification anybody else will, has a question uh, um, not a question but just a quick reflection. hey Jamuna. i i love um, I, I i love the um what you were saying is krishna's thinking what what do i have what is
1: necessary i think you say what is necessary for me to do to the devotees so they will remember me
0: i, I just i love that that thought of krishna going hmm what am I going to have to do to get through to this well, one? Yeah, but when you think what his conclusion is in relationship to our lives, sometimes it doesn't seem so pleasant. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and that's what I think too. And when I, when I go deep in chanting or something and, and then I know that to, to go deeper is always opening the door of surrender, meaning to be happy with God's will. Mm. And then I thought, okay, here's my heart. And God wants me to pur- be purified. What? How will he have to move the world around me How will he have to move the world around me to do that? And then I have second thoughts, whether I want to surrender. (laughs) My God, oh my God, what will he have to do? What will he have to do? So I think but that's, that's, that's our, our conception, our philosophy. God's benevolent and he sees each of our... And I think we experience that in our life. I experienced that in my life. Nothing I have of value in my life in terms of my thoughts and consciousness um, could be there without the experiences I've had there's a, there's a state there's a statement that says um, from there's a statement that says from bad judgment comes experience and from experience comes good judgment so um, Yeah, it's just so many. Yeah, God has to work with us. It's hard. And I give this simple example. Just think of someone that you love, that you want to change. How difficult is it? But God does it. And, you know, it's just not instruction. It's like a show. That's what's That's what karma is. God looks at us and then decides what, how he has to move the world around us to give us some kind of experience. Okay. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. I, I'm just going to get back to work. I had that somehow today and, uh, Okay, bunch of culprits you just said.
1: Hare Krishna Maharaj.